Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Ellen. Good morning once again. On behalf of, uh, well, the church family, but the parish nurse committee, Heather Bowles can make her way up here. Uh, there she is. Um, I had several families this week, some who live here and then others who live away, were asking me, what is the church's response to, is the church doing anything about in re relationship to the coronavirus? And you would have to be living under a rock in the last few weeks if, you know, you haven't heard anything about that. But so this morning we've asked Heather Voles just to come and give us an update on some, pre some preventative measures, things that we can be thinking about uh, as a church family uh, and then outside these walls as well in relationship to this. And so I appreciate Heather giving us just some brief time today. Good morning. Um, so what can we do as Christians to love our neighbor and care for one another during these stressful days? In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. It can be difficult to keep our thoughts focused on good things when the news reports have new cases being um, found every day. This is not a time for us as Christians to fall into despair. Spiritually, we can rely on Christ for peace and pray continually. This also provides us a chance to offer encouragement to others that may be searching for answers. We can take this opportunity to proclaim the hope and peace that only Jesus can bring. The coronavirus is similar to the flu in that symptoms may include, but are not limited to fever, cough, fatigue, shortness of breath, some have abdominal pain and diarrhea. The majority of people who get this virus will recover without needing specialized treatment. Older people with underlying health issues such as diabetes or heart problems are more likely to have serious complications. We encourage you to wash your hands frequently, avoid touching your face to prevent introduction of germs into your body, cover your cough or sneeze using your elbow instead of your hand, and stay home when you are sick to limit spread of germs and also limit your risk of catching something else while your immune system is vulnerable. We also urge you to keep in touch with family and friends, especially those with higher health risk, as I mentioned earlier. Hand sanitizer has been placed in areas throughout the church, and if you have questions or concerns, feel free to contact one of the parish nurses and be sure to also like our page on Facebook as well. Thank you. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run The fountain I drink from Oh, he is my song Let the king of my heart Be the shadow where I hide The ransom for my life Oh, he is my song You, you are good, good, good. Oh good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh, you are good, good, oh. Let the King of my heart be the wind inside my sail. 
number 349 to God be the glory 349 if you are able please stand and join in singing
I want to take the privilege just to say thank you to Teresa, to June, and to Melissa, and to the children of the Children's Choir. In a beautiful way, they hopefully have expressed the desires of each of us that we would like to be more like Jesus in our heart this morning. Time passes by very quickly. As I have gotten older, there are only two times of the year. There is June where we have the summer celebrations and then there is December with Christmas. And as soon as uh, Christmas is packed away, my thoughts are, well, it's just a matter of a few days and it will be June. And as soon as June begins, I think, well, it's just a little around the corner, we're gonna have Christmas. We all measure our lives by certain events, certain places, certain ideas that we pursue. In the month of March, within our church tradition, we emphasize the opportunity that we each have to uh, focus our mission offering, a, con a concerted effort to give uh, emphasis to Christian work within the United States. Within our church, we have two avenues that we uh, follow, the Global Mission Offering and the Andy Armstrong Offering. Again, this is a time to, to give beyond the boundaries of our local church, the boundaries of our immediate community. And so even though, well, it's mission time offering again, I hope that you will consider the the meaning behind the offering. It is a chance in a tangible way to share the gospel, to share God's love with uh, individuals who spend time in conversation, in preaching, in teaching, in meeting social needs of the people within our country. This year's offering goal is $4,000 for both, and I hope that you will give as the Lord guides, and I thank you for this moment. Thank you, Doug. I know as a church family, uh, we like to heed the call of uh, the words of Acts 1-8, that we be his witnesses, both in our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so this local or uh, North American missions offering allows us to uh, heed that call to our Jerusalem and our Judea. I want to mention just a few concerns before I pray this morning. One is Talmadge Turner spent some time at the ER on Friday in relationship to his heart. He is now home, but he will be having a stress test on Monday morning at the Shelby Hospital, and that is Talmadge Turner. Geraldine Humphreys, who has been in a care facility now for some time, is just having some tough days, and we just need to remember her. And also Barbara Dawkins, as she makes the transition to Asheville to be with Reginald at the Asheville Baptist Home, the Western North Carolina Baptist Home. Be in prayer for her during this season of transition. And then also let's remember Roger Webb, who has a procedure this coming week. I know there may be others, and forgive me for not mentioning those this morning, but uh, we are glad that you're here today. And let me just say before I pray, if you are a guest with us, if you would please just fill a little something out there about yourself on that card and place that in the offering plate. And again, if there are prayer concerns that you have, we would love to pray for you and pray for those uh, this week. Will you go with now with me to the Lord in prayer? God, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come together in your house as your people to worship you this morning. We acknowledge that you are God and that we are not Lord, help us to let go of the things that would hinder our worship and that would hinder our walk with you this morning. Lord, give us a hunger for your will and for your ways 
as we worship, as we sing, as we read, as we pray. Forgive us, God, when we do not acknowledge you as God, when we choose to chart our own course and chart our own path in life and leave you out of it. Father, forgive us. Reveal to us, God, how great your love, how great and awesome your grace and your forgiveness is. For those who stand in need today, Father, for those who come in here sorrowful this morning, Lord, I pray that you would be a God of comfort. Lord, for those who need your healing touch today, we do pray, Lord, that you would bring about your healing in your way. God, whether that be through doctors or whether that be through your divine touch. Lord, for those who may be struggling with guilt from a decision made this last week, Lord, we pray for pardon. For those this morning who come in here in need of some clarity that have had just some confusion this week about decisions that need to be made, Father, we pray that you would meet them at the point of their need and give them in the direction that they so seek this morning. Lord, as we think about our world today and as we opened up our time in here this morning talking about issues and concerns in our world, Father, we pray for all those struggling, whether it's with flu or with coronavirus or with some other illness, Lord. We do pray that as your people that we would respond in ways that would be appropriate to demonstrate and show others the love of Christ. Lord, for those who live in places where there's war and violence, we pray for peace. God, there's so much about world, this world and, our, and life that we simply do not understand. And Lord, in light of that, help us to put our faith and our trust in you this day. Lord, we pray that every word spoken, prayer prayed, scripture that's read and preached this morning would bring honor and glory to you. Lord, convict us that we may walk in closer fellowship with you and that, Lord, if there are things that need to be dealt with in our own lives, sin that needs to be confessed, that we would have the courage to do that this morning. Lord, we're so grateful for your love that's been demonstrated in your son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray this prayer in his name. Amen. Our hymn is number 619, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. 619, if you are able, please stand and join in singing.
Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for the blessed assurance that Jesus is ours and no one can take that away. We, we come here all as sinners in need of your grace each week. We acknowledge, Lord, that all of our, our best efforts combined, all of our resources pulled together, Lord, we can do nothing without you. Uh, we need you. Lord, as we, as, we, as we turn to our time of giving, we pray that you would help us to be faithful, help us to be generous, help us to put you first in all things. And we trust in you to provide, provide what we need individually in our families and us as a congregation. And we ask that your spirit would be at work and moving in us, uh, that all that we do here as a church that would glorify the name of Jesus. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Last Sunday, we began a new sermon series about the difficult sayings of Jesus. And the choir just uh, reminded us there are sayings of Jesus that we love to hear. When Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, these are comforting words, especially in the day and age in which we live of just uncertainty and all the troubles that not only we deal with personally, but we see around us locally and in our world today. It's good to know that Jesus is our good shepherd. In the midst of things we don't understand, in the midst of things we just simply try to figure out, it's good to know that we have an unchanging shepherd that walks beside us. And as Psalm 23 reminds us, through the valley of the shadow of death. It's not a valley that we stay in, but it's a valley that we have a shepherd that walks with us through the valley. And so, choir, thank you for your message this morning. This morning, though, we have uh, a difficult passage, like we said, the difficult sayings of Jesus. And uh, like I said, there are some things that we just love to hear from Jesus. They're, they're comforting, they're reassuring. And then there's other things that he says that are just, frankly, hard to stomach. Difficult words, challenging words. And we find those here today in Mark 3, verse 23 through 29. Jesus has just been accused of casting out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And we find these words in Mark chapter 3. And you may want to, if you don't have your Bible out, to have that out and uh, read and to stay with me this morning as we'll be going back to this. He called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first trying, excuse me, without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. May God add his blessing to the reading and preaching of his word this morning. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever spoken with someone who uh, feels like they've committed a sin and that's it for them, that their sin cannot be forgiven. As a pastor, I've spoken with uh, some individuals, uh, one or two here somewhat recently, but uh, the ones that come to, to memory are the ones from years ago, which were very memorable conversations with someone who just came by the church that day. I didn't have a relationship with this individual and sat down with me and confessed things that I will not share here, but just simply felt like they could not be forgiven for the sins that they had committed. They were obviously struggling with this very deeply. Their prayers seemed to go unanswered. God seemed remote and distant and simply unresponsive. You and I have been in similar situations before maybe. We've regretted something that we've said. We've regretted regretted something that we've done. And for some time, Uh, for the forgiveness to to play out. Maybe we've asked the Lord to forgive us, but uh, we felt like there was some time before we could regain that fellowship and we could regain that communion uh, with our Lord. Unfortunately, today's scripture passage has caused caused misery, has caused discomfort, terror, agony, whatever word we want to use for many people because they think of this verse and they may not know the context, they may not know everything in which and why it was said the way it was said, And they're afraid that they'll be shut out of the presence of God when they die and cannot experience the forgiveness in this life because of something 
that they've done. These words in Mark chapter 3 could be filed under things I wish Jesus never said. This idea of the unforgivable sin, the unpardonable sin. We're startled by these words of Jesus, that there can be an unforgivable sin because the heart of the gospel, as I have said time and time again, is forgiveness. That is the good news. The good news that I wish I could preach every Sunday boldly and eloquently and would stir the hearts of each one here. But the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is forgiveness. And we, each of us here, must always remember that and always know that. Jesus and his love for you and for me and for the world is good news, news that you and I must continue to proclaim. But Jesus himself said, whoever will may come unto me. And we all learned John three sixteen as a kid. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, or his begot, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should, have perish, should not perish, but have everlasting life. After all, it was Jesus himself who taught us a parable about a lost son and a lost coin and, a lost, and the lost sheep. Uh, you know, all of them symbolize our acceptance by God. It was in Psalms, or in Psalm, we read the words about the wideness of God's love for us. He talks about he cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. And even the dying thief's prayer on the cross when he asked Jesus to remember him as he comes into his kingdom, we find the words of Jesus in our scripture where he says, today you will be with me in paradise. But we have to be honest. These words found here in Mark 3 are upsetting. When Jesus says there is an unforgivable sin, they seem to contradict, if you will, God's unconditional love that he has for you and for me. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, what is the context? What was Jesus, why did Jesus say this? And in what context did he say it? What was the setting? What is the setting in which these words, again, were spoken? Jesus' harsh words uh, was when Jesus was in Galilee right after he healed a man who had been possessed by demons. Some of the Pharisees and scribes came down from Jerusalem into Galilee where Jesus was teaching and healing and accused him of healing or releasing these demons and the power of Beelzebub or Beelzebul. It may be different in, in your translations. Beelzebul was an old Canaanite word that meant prince of demons. The Pharisees accused Jesus of doing his good works by the power of the chief of demons, or in other words, by the power of Satan. So in verse 28 of Mark 3, again, I said you might want to keep your Bibles out. In, in verse 28 of Mark 3, we read Jesus's emphatic response. And in some translations, this is uh, translated, verily I say unto you, or truly I tell you this. But basically what Jesus was saying here is that what I'm saying is extremely important and you need to listen very carefully. He begins by confronting the Pharisees in the passage that we've read today with the absurdity of claiming that Satan is behind the good things that Jesus was doing or is doing. Jesus was casting out evil people. It would not be logical to say that this was the result of Satan's actions, which they were accusing him of. That would be like Satan trying to destroy himself. It'd be like allied forces dropping bombs on, um, on their own troops. They were attributing Jesus' good works to the evil powers of Satan. Jesus said in verse 23, how can Satan cast out Satan? It's in this context, in this setting, we must remind ourselves Jesus spoke these words. The word used to describe this unforgivable sin is called blasphemy. Blasphemy in some translations may uh, be interpreted slander. 
The word blaspheme means to ridicule or to put down, to profane or to mock spiritual matters, to curse or show irreverence towards God. Jesus said to the Pharisees were guilty of blasphemy because they were ascribing to Satan the good acts that Jesus was, was, was doing. They were calling good evil, if you will, here in the passage. I propose to you that the path of committing the unpardonable sin is not a one and done certain specific time in our lives. It is, this is a path, um, it's a journey of a lifetime. The unpardonable sin is not some act that a person commits in an isolated moment. It is a path that a person may walk down over a long period of time. I'm convinced that people don't set out on a journey in their younger years to commit some terrible sin or to live there continually or consistently before God. The journey begins in what Paul calls in Ephesians 4.30 about grieving the Holy Spirit. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit comes inside of us and strengthens us, and he does so whenever temptation comes. The first step down the path of the unforgivable sin is to grieve God's Spirit, to make God sad, sorrowful. It means to call sorrow, pain, or distress when we grieve the Spirit of God. But what makes the Holy Spirit sad or sorrowful? Anything that goes against God's will, God's commands, lying, cheating, stealing, we could go through the Ten Commandments. But not only those, but also pride, self-righteousness, choosing to go our own way instead of God's way, going against God and going against His Word. So not only is grieving the Spirit of God a part of that pathway, but also in the second step down that path of the unforgivable sin is to resist the Spirit of God. Is to resist the Spirit of God. In the small book of James, he reminds us in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We may not deliberately resist the Spirit of God, but subtly over time, kind of like a steady erosion. We don't plan on sinning, but slowly, ever so slowly, we turn our back on God. We build up this resistance against the Spirit of God ever so slowly, turn away from God's presence, or turn away from God's guidance in our lives uh, with day-to-day -day decisions, whatever it may be, but slowly begin eroding uh, that relationship with the Lord. As we move down the unpardonable path, now we begin not only look at to grieve the Spirit of God, but to resist the Spirit of God, but now we can begin to quench God's Spirit in our lives. These are words that you have heard if you've been in church uh, for some time, you've heard about grieving God's spirit, resisting the devil. You've heard that. But you've also probably heard of quenching God's spirit in our lives. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul says, quench not the spirit of God. We no longer have a channel for God to work in our lives because we have slowly turned away. Our hearts have become hardened and our senses dead to the things of God. If we're all honest, we can look back in our own lives and think about times when we haven't cre you know, created or committed some gregarious sin, but there has been, we look back over our lives and we begin to see, if we're honest, some, some slow ways, maybe some subtle erosion of our relationship with the Lord, things that we have just simply ignored or not, haven't paid attention to, and we begin to see how these have hurt our relationship with the Lord. Whatever capacity we had in our lives to respond to the Spirit, those are now gone. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a very scary place to be. 
Some of you know a little bit of what I'm talking about. Maybe you can relate. You've went down a path in your life. You didn't set out to go there overnight, but suddenly you found your place. You found yourself in a place that you never, ever dreamed that you would be. And what I love about the love and the grace of God is that no matter how long it's taken to go, us to go down that path, a path that we would never want to be on, never dreamed uh, we would be in, a situation we would be in, uh, what I love about the love and the grace of God is that with a prayer, with c simply confessing of our sin, we can find ourselves back in fellowship with God and out of that scary place. You've heard the phrase, uh, if you don't use it, you lose it. We've heard this about our muscles. Uh, 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 I say scientists. People who, uh, doctors, have even said older individuals who lose muscle mass can begin to regain it when we start using muscles that we haven't used in a while. Uh, I think of this about my guitar skills. Uh, some of you don't even know I ever played the guitar, but I have a guitar. It mostly collects dust. It sits in the corner of my bedroom at home, and every now and then, about every three or four months, I'll get it out and play it for a week or two, thinking I'm really going to get back into this. And what I learn, what I realize is I have to begin relearning all over again. I love Dick and his, you know, didn't, he didn't even look at notes this morning. He was just down there playing wonderfully. Um, but this idea, if you don't lose it, if you don't use it, you lose it. It's the same with our spiritual lives at times. If we fall out of fellowship with our prayer and our Bible study, we begin to lose this sense of communication. We begin to lose this sense of fellowship with God that was once, that was once there. We become so blind to our sin that it's no longer a reality for us. What used to bother us and concern us, we simply continue doing and we simply, you know, it's not a reality for us anymore. I, in, in the study of Jeremiah that's taking place on Sunday evenings, a verse that I learned years ago is applicable this morning. Jeremiah 13, 23 says, says these words. He's talking about the sinful people of Judah. Now, Jeremiah is preaching judgment to them, saying, repent, 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 and they're not listening. And it, uh, the analogies and stories that he uses are quite remarkable. And this one here has stuck with me for years. In Jeremiah 13, 23, he says, can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? And can a leopard take away its spots? Let's be careful that our sin does not become so much a part of us that it's compared to the unchanging spots on a leopard. That's what Jeremiah was challenging, how he was challenging the people of God in Judah, uh, the people of Israel uh, during his time. Has our sin become so much a part of us that it's like the spots on a leper? Convicting words from Jeremiah. Now let me share a word of comfort. If you're worried this morning as you looked at the topic and as you've heard words already this morning, as you've heard the scripture read, if you're worried that you committed the unpardonable sin, it's a sure sign, first of all, that you haven't. Your concern over sin is a sure sign that you have not closed yourself off to God's spirit. Church, hear the good news in this passage. In verse 28, Jesus said, no sin is beyond forgiveness. We've emphasized the unpardonable sin this morning. But did you catch Jesus' words right before that? In verse 28, he says, no sin is beyond forgiveness. You and I must be willing to acknowledge our sin. The problem doesn't lie in God's unwillingness to pardon us. The problem lies with one who is unwilling to acknowledge that he or she has sinned and is unwilling to confess that sin. The truth is stated in 1 John chapter 1 very clearly. John says these words in verse 6. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I read something this week that um, said the world will always say you've made your bed and now you must lie in it. But I love this saying. It said one greater than the world has said take up your bed and walk for your sins are forgiven. Remember that story? Amen. The world says you've made your bed. Tough stuff. But God's good news is that you can be forgiven no matter what your sin is. Confess and repent of your sins. Grace is abundant. God's grace. And if you think you've committed the unpardonable sin, quit worrying because you haven't. Accept God's grace and forgiveness this morning and follow God for he loves you and he will forgive you. If you've asked for his forgiveness and experienced salvation, but yet you still feel like something is off, I'd like to propose to you, maybe it's uh, like the Christian trying to connect to God's Wi-Fi. I was thinking of this analogy this week. When sin is hindering the signal, we either get a weak signal or no signal at all. At home, I have a dish, and occasionally in bad weather or just for random reasons, it doesn't happen often or we would switch to another carrier, but we'll get the signal on our TV or the sign, words that say searching for a signal. Searching for a signal. Christians today are searching for a signal, but many are having trouble connecting because there is a disruption in the atmosphere called sin. Sin could be obvious, or it could be pride, it could be self-righteousness, it could be uh, a host of a number of things. This morning, have you put your faith and trust in Christ? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins? Have you received Christ into your life? And if you have, how's that signal? currently working out? How are you connecting to God's Wi-Fi, if we put it in modern terms? Is that signal, uh, do you read those words that say searching for a signal at times? Is there a confession? Maybe you put your faith and trust in Christ many, many years ago, but today do you need to once again confess your sins to him? You know, what I love about the season of Lent is that we, we begin that season on Ash Wednesday. We begin that season reminding us that from ashes we came and to ashes we will return. Many of the scriptures, if you've been following in the, in the devotional, especially that first week, dealt with this idea of, or not just this, this idea, but dealt with the sin. It, it, it caused us to, to look at some things in our own lives that may be very uncomfortable. We have continued to be challenged. As we last week looked at the difficult words of Jesus in John 6 about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, taking Jesus into us, into the very core of our beings, and yet when we do that, we will come up short when we think about his will and his ways for our lives. We will have times, it will, it, we will be compelled, as Paul uses that word, to confess our sins and to make things right with him. Many of you here this morning, many of us this morning are looking for direction. We're looking for answers about our life's problems and family relationships and all of these things. And what greater clarity will you and I have when we confess our sins, when we come to God, acknowledge his sovereignty, acknowledging his omnipotence, his omnipresence in our lives and in our world today, and, and just confess, God, we need you. We need you in our lives. Not only do we need you for salvation, but we need you for that ongoing relationship. We need you in our lives in every way and in our world today. If you're here this morning and 
that connection is broken. That connection is, is searching for a signal. I ask you to be challenged by the words of Christ this morning and that forgiveness is offered to all. Will you join me in prayer? God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace that is so limitless, that's unconditional. Lord, if any of us here are on that path, Lord, as we talk about three things, about grieving your spirit, Lord, if resisting the devil and, and um, uh, quenching the spirit of God, Lord, if there are any things, any signs of that in our lives today, Father, help us to be honest with you this morning. Lord, it may be something subtle, it may be something small, but nevertheless, Father, it may be hindering our walk and our relationship with you. Lord, if there are some here today that have never put their faith and trust in you today, I pray that the message of the good news of Jesus Christ would penetrate their hearts this day. Father, help us to all to be honest, to be vulnerable before you this morning, to lay out those things that are not pleasing to you, and Father, lead us in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Oh God, we love you. We thank you for your love demonstrated to us in your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close with what is more of a, a chorus. It's a, it is in our hymnal. It's found on page 571. You are my all in all. Let the words of Christ speak to you. If the Lord is leading you uh, to make a decision, uh, to confess, the altar is open, to, just to pray here at the altar. If, you would, if the Lord is leading you to pursue membership here at Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we would like to talk with you about that this morning, and we encourage you to come. Let's stand and sing hymn number 571, You Are My All in All.
Uh, that this afternoon at 4 o'clock in the Lighthouse, not 5, but 4 o'clock in the Lighthouse, I'll be continuing the study on Jeremiah. I encourage you to come. If you missed last week, it's okay. You can come back this week and, 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 and move right in. And then following that, I'll be taking the older van to our uh, event in Rutherford this evening. The choir will be leaving as well on the minibus. But if any of you would like to go with me in the old van, uh, you will be welcome to do that. And so that'll be 6 o'clock. There's more information in your bulletin about that special time at First Baptist uh, Rutherton. I have a good friend there, Tim Marsh, who's the pastor, and I look forward to seeing him there this evening. Uh, just encourage you to speak to someone you haven't spoken to. I see a few uh, unfamiliar faces around this morning, so be sure to introduce yourself and, and speak to someone that you haven't spoken to before you leave. Um, let's close. Any, any other words or announcements? All right. Let's close now with this benediction. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. Amen.